As the trial draws to its conclusion, companion Mel and thief Sablon Glitz are brought in to speak about the events that have been seen, but it falls to an unlikely person, the Doctor's arch enemy, the Master, to provide the answers to the reason for the trial and the true identity of the Valiard. Can the Doctor use this newfound knowledge to prove his innocence, or will he be found guilty of genocide? This is Trial of a Time Lord, episodes 13 to 14, The Ultimate Foe. Welcome to Regenerated. the remainder of the Doctor's regeneration. This is clear. Just a minute! Did you call him... the Doctor? There is some evil in all of us, Doctor, even you. The Valyard is an amalgamation of the darker sides of your nature, somewhere between your twelfth and final incarnation. (laughs) And I may say you do not improve with age. Hello everyone and welcome back to Regenerate. My name is Matt and I'm joined as always by my wonderful wife Becky. You're funny. And this week is the end of Colin Baker's tenure as a Doctor. This is the very last two episodes of The Trial of a Time Lord. So where's the regeneration? Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that when, when we're talking through this uh, this last couple of episodes. There is a reason. Um, oh yeah, didn't they scrap his regeneration or something? Um, I, I can't really... We'll go through it. Let's just say we'll go through it. There's a few information or bits that we can go through um, as we uh, progress through this one. So, uh, before we go... Yeah, but if he regenerates, I don't get how, because they didn't really do out. Well, normally... Yeah, but normally, when a doctor regenerates, it's either be- mainly because he has to, I, like when they basically changed him from Patrick Trouton to John Pertwee, or basically, when he's practically near near enough died, and yeah. you know. So in this episode, we'll go through the last. It just don't make no sense to me. We'll go through the last two parts. We'll round up Colin Baker's tenure as a Doctor as well, um, and also we'll talk about that uh, that regeneration as well. So before we go into that, there's a little bit of uh, this week Blu-ray news, shall we say? They've now announced that season fifteen is going to be being released on the blu-ray collections this is tom baker's uh season and it um has really because i'm looking at them right now and basically oh well 12's a tom baker 14's a tom baker 17's a tom baker obviously well yeah but some people might not might not know so <laughs> for the, the purpose of the people listening who don't know in this one there there was uh horror uh, horror fang rock the invisible enemy image of the fendal uh, the Sunmakers, Underworld, and the Invasion of Time. So it was an okay season. Not it's really. not my favourite one. It was um, a bit meh. But it would be nice just to have it as part of the um, the collection, shall we say. So um, 
anyway, trial of the Time Lord. So we're now getting to the end of it. This uh, episodes 13 and 14, um, which was sort of subtitled um, Mysterious Foe, I think it's uh, subtitled as. Uh, I can't remember. Well, I didn't really see the titles. Well, they, they don't. They don't. Um, the subtitles are basically for the novelization of the story. Yeah, but they can't no- really call normally it. you kind of fast forward for it anyway. So. It's called the ultimate foe. Um, so I can't really, I can't really say. Well, no, because not when it shows you what the episode is called, it normally just says episode third or part thirteen is what it says on these ones. Mm. But I think because of the books and that, they actually renamed them the mm. story, like the stories. They name renamed them, so you had um, I can't remember what the first one was, but this one is uh, the ultimate foe. So. If we just quickly go through the, the details, uh, there's a bit to go through with the details in this one. Um, so part 13, or episode 13, was written by Robert Holmes, and he has contributed the Crotons, um, the Space Pirates, Spearhead of, from Space, Terror of the Autons, Carmen of All the Monsters, the Time Warrior, the Ark in Space, Pyramids of Mars, the brains, the Brain of Morbius, the Deadly Assassins, the Talons of Wanshien, the Sunmakers, the Reboss Operation, Power of the Kroll, there's a lot more, um, the Caves of Androzani, the Two Doctors, the Mysterious Planet, which was the first four part of this uh, Trial of the Tom Ross, what's it called, and this is his very last episode that he ever done, mm. because he was meant to do parts 13 and 14, but then he fell ill, and then he subsequently passed away, so this was the last, and his contributions to Doctor Who are just i think unfathomable um aside from probably um terry nation who brought us the daleks there's a lot of what's in modern who now yeah there's a lot of um robert holmes's work shall we say so he contributed quite a lot to doctor who as it went through um it's as it's gone through its course of the story uh, and this part 14 was written by Pip and Jane Barker and they did last week's um, story but they've also done the Mark of the Rani last week's which was subtitled Terror of the Vervoids this is the ultimate foe and they've got one more which will be the next story um, of Sylvester McCoy's mm. the first story of Sylvester McCoy basically and it was directed by Chris Clow and he also done last week's Terror of the Vervoids so it's a little bit of um continuity to keep it through uh let's have a look at the other bits which is uh, it was broadcast on 28th uh, sorry 29th of november to the 6th of december 86 um like i said two two parts to round off the se- uh, of the season and the synopsis charged with genocide by the treacherous Val- um charged with genocide by the treacherous valiard at his trial the doctor receives help from an unlikely source in the turn to turn the tide of the High Council's ruling in his favour and reveal the Valiard as a wrongdoer, the master for the Valiard's own crimes are so atrocious even the Doctor's arch enemy will help him to ensure that the villain won't see the light of day again. Cornered, the Valiard flees to the Matrix where he can be the Doctor's judge, jury and executioner. To be fair though, the Valiard is kind of, you know, he, he always seemed like a dodgy cop to me. Well, yeah, he, you know, 
throughout the... Sort of like one who's always going to basically try and say, oh, well, you know, you're talking crap, you're lying, you know, you did this, you did that, you did the other, and I'm willing to twist every bit of evidence to try and make it so... Yeah, so for the purpose of the whole trial, as we've seen it, it's obviously evident that the Valiard has a vendetta against the Doctor. We obviously find out really? now why he's got a, a vendetta against um, the Doctor. Because we didn't get that. Also, we sort of see that there's a bit more to the Valiard than what we thought appeared yeah, from the outstre- uh, at the outset. So, anyway, part 13. The Doctor insists that the footage from the Matrix has been tampered with. He's been insisting that it's been tampered with for... Well, you've got to be a bit weird to wear that sort of bloody outfit. But, you know. Which one? The weird little shiny thing on his head. Oh, what, the Valiard? Yeah. All right, yeah, well, all in black and a little bit of white trimming. Silver. Silver trimming. Um, so, yeah, he's been insisting... It's really wrong unless you've gone to a blooming disco or some or a nightclub, you know. Yeah, he's been insisting for the whole trial that basically the Matrix has been tampered with. Uh, the Inquisitor brings the Keeper of the Matrix to testify he is adamant that the Matrix can be accessed only by senior Time Lords with appropriate keys. The Doctor maintains his innocence, accusing the Valiard of manipulating the evidence to his own end and that someone can make a duplicate key the valiard denies well, the any key, such interference the keeper of the and key, closes his case to be fair the keeper of the key right the way he just hooks onto the front of his robes mm. it's not very secure is it it's called the key of rassilon i know about the key of rassilon but what i'm saying is it's not it's just like on a little tiny like ledgy hook it's not even like a curved hook and as we go through, it's just a tiny little ledgy hook and that could easily be knocked off anyone could swipe it and copy it yeah and as we go through the story uh we find that actually there's quite a few of these keys by the looks of it and mm. that there's like a, a copy of the key about 20 times it's just ridiculous that they say that they can't copy the key Right, because yeah. they ain't got a key cutter in Gallifrey. Yes, there are copies of the key. Anyway, meanwhile, two travel pods arrive. Yeah, but the... surely you'd have to have a copy of the key in case it got lost. Well, who knows? You know, it's a sensible thing to do. To be fair, it's not very... Is it's... It in, is in our house. We're forever it's, losing Blimmer It's keys. the shape of a normal, like, door key or an old-style door key, metal one. Yeah. But when they do actually enter into the Matrix... It's just like a, it's like basically swiping your card on your chip and pin. They basically put it up to a panel. It's oh, not no. even really like a key for a lock. Not like, well, not like chip and pin. It's like when you used to swipe cards and sign for them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, two travel pods arrive on the station. They open to real Mel and Sabalon Glitz. I did say he'd be returning. He's returned now. They enter the court just in time to assist the doctor's defence, saying they had been sent sort by of like somebody. Sort of a card key for a hotel room. Mm, yeah. Uh, Doctor's defence saying they had been sent by someone unknown to help prove that the doctors acted in good faith. This anonymous benefactor makes himself known, appearing on the view screen from inside the Matrix. It is the master. He entered the Matrix with a duplicate key straight away, contradicting what the actual Matrix key holder, whatever he is, said. You know, yeah. um, and has been watching the courtroom drama unfold, but is for some reason unwilling to let the Valiard win. The doctor questions Glitz about the secrets he was hoping to obtain from the sleepers. So, in the very first four part uh, with Sablon mm-hmm. Glitz, there's that little bit, isn't there, where it's sort of not shown to the court, isn't it? It's kind of like blocked out. 
Like yeah. It's just skipping the, the video and we don't really know what he was talking about. And that's where the uh, where the doctor first assumed that they had been tampering with the Matrix. Well, we kind of get a little bit of the backstory now as to what happened. And also there was a little bit of a mystery about the planet. Obviously, we found out the planet was Earth and it had been moved out of the solar system to where it is now. Yeah. Uh, light years from where it's supposed to be. And we find out why that has happened as well. Um so the doctor learns that those secrets uh he learns those secrets were stolen from the matrix in retaliation the gallifreyan high council moved earth to hide the theft and to prevent a rescue the doctor was outraged at the corruption of his own people realizing that he had been framed to prevent the truth from emerging so i think if i can remember right because it is a bit of a complex backstory mm, i yep. found is that Basically, Sablon Glitz, he's kind of like a thief, isn't he? He's, he's, he's out for what he can get. He's out for gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anything he can make a profit on. Yeah, but he can make a profit on. And isn't it that they got into the Matrix, they were able to steal some Gallifreyan secrets to advance yeah. Earth or whatever. And because Gallifrey, they realised this, they decided to move Earth to stop the embarrassment, basically, and to hide that this theft has occurred. Yeah. And there's like a box, isn't there, with all the secrets in. Yeah. That's kind of what I gathered from it. Anyway, so uh, the Master Az at the Valyard is an amalgamation of the Doctor's darker impulses from the future, falling somewhere between his uh, his 12th and his final incarnation. So... That's an interesting first. That's the first. Um, so, are a Peter Capaldi? Technically, yes. So, yeah, and nothing... so they're trying to say Jodie Whittaker was evil. Well, no. <laughs> it's like it's a bit like the War Doctor. Yeah. John Hurt's character. It sort of slipped between the eighth and the ninth, didn't it? It kind of was like a. It's kind of like a doctor. Eight point five. But yeah, it's not. It's kind of not recognised in his regenerations. It's a bit like the Valiard. He's kind of like the darker side of the Doctor, from what I can guess. Mm. Although we never got. This is the. F- yeah, but the thing is, I thought that they restarted his regenerations after the whole thing with Matt at the end of Matt Smith's run. Wow, well, we. Because I thought you know because of the whole age and thing and you know. It was like they refused to let him regenerate, and then mm. all of a sudden they kickstarted him again. It's all so in English. Instead of getting basically another couple out of it, he ended up getting a whole bunch it's out all of it again. Complex. It's, it's just... complex, and we will get there eventually when we get onto the new <laughs> and try to sift through it. Oh, but... you mean trying to basically sit through? You know, at the end of the day, I don't have an issue with Matt Smith as a doctor, but. Some Clara done my nutting, and I didn't know which done my head nutting more, Clara or Amy Pond. So, yeah, it's... But they were really, like, a massive struggle. But I did, like, the River Song stuff. So, so for for people, like, obviously this is classic Who. They're a new Who, this sort of idea of, like, uh, like I said in the, the Christmas special just recently with Shooty Gatwa, David Tennant, have a bye regeneration where they split. People are like um, surprised at this kind of mm. um, this kind of thing, but I'm kind of not because this is not the first time that they've messed about with the regenerations and stuff like that, and yeah. they've hinted that the, doc- the doctor can take many forms, as it were. And this is just basically the first time we ever get it with the Valiard is that he is actually like 
an in-between regeneration and he's kind of like the evil doctor um but this is the the one and one and done basically at the minute um time we ever see the valiard it's never really mentioned again i don't really think um from what i can remember i don't think so but i would like to see maybe you know them going back and maybe using the valiard again maybe that's what that character is in the christmas special mrs flood is it i think isn't what her name was mm. um maybe she's the valiard who knows but yeah this is like it's not it's nothing new to have like war doctors or you know fugitive doctors as we will get to them you know it's nothing new but i think at the time people were kind of shocked and thought it was something new but it's not yeah. because obviously there's people there are people that watch classic and new there are people who watch just classic and there's people who just watch new so for the people who just watch new they obviously don't realize that actually this has been done before anyway so yeah he is basically a darker side of the doctor's psyche and a darker regeneration um the High Council offered him the Doctor's remaining regenerations if he could convict the Doctor. The Inquisitor insists the trial consists consider all the evidence, but the Valiar flees the court through a door in the Matrix. The Doctor and Glitz follow through the door, finding themselves in a recreation of Victorian London created by the Valiard. The Doctor is attacked by a hand from a rain barrel, but Glitz saves him and hands him a note from the Master which leads them to the Fantasy Factory as they approach the building Glitz is shot with a harpoon, which you commented was very blunt. Yes, if you look at it, it's not really the most sharp. Well, no, it just sort of, to be honest, what it reminded me of is one of them sort of dodgy looking arrow things of like a heart thing on the end. They're supposed to look like an arrow, but it doesn't. And it's just like a cheap version that you buy in Card Factory or something. Yeah, very, very cheap prop, I think, that one. And it was, um, you know, it did didn't look very it looked more plasticky than anything mm. else in the courtyard the master explains that the evidence presented throughout the trial was correct but with small errors designed to convict the doctor these included the death of perry brown who actually survived to be con car is it carnos's queen he admitted that the valiard would make an even more powerful enemy than the doctor but this way he could be rid of them both he also insists that the high council answers for what they have done and has allowed the people of gallifrey to witness the court proceedings so sneaky master there um perry brown becky she didn't die in the end oh dear nope she became his queen so it was obviously manipulated they're saying that this version of the this version of the events was manipulated to try and prosecute the doctor so by saying that she died basically shows that um that her death was a result of the doctor basically and his interference and all that sort of stuff and he didn't really help to to save her life as it were so yep she's not dead she's living as a queen um probably with really bad hearing Mm. and she's probably like partially deaf by now because i don't know maybe she's done what my granddad used to do and bought a hearing aid and switch it off every time he talks mm. that's what my granddad used to do with my nanny brian bless it very loud my oh. granddad used to have this thing that he used to blame it on his alzheimer's all the time and he used to basically conveniently leave his hearing aid upstairs mm. and not put it in or he'd put it in and not turn it on every time my nanny was around because he'd yep. get sick and tired of being moaned at mm. Glitz, Genius, to be fair, Glitz, but you know. saved by his Mark Seven Pasadonian life preserver. We'll just call it a bulletproof vest for ease. <laughs> Accompanies the doctors to the fantasy factory where they encounter extremely... Well, it's more of a stab-proof vest. Yeah. Than a, they know. encounter extremely officious 
bureaucrat named Mr. Popplewick, who was played by Becky. I don't know, it's bugging me. It was played by uh, Jeffrey Hughes, and he was actually in. He was in a couple of things that we've seen. I don't know because I'm going up kicking myself when I know though. Well, the first thing he was in was uh, if people have watched it, British BBC sitcom Keeping Up Appearances. He played um, what was her name? Uh, uh, her Hyacinth Bouquet's brother-in-law, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, the one who always wears the blooming dodgy vest with something down at all time. Is it like Otto? Uh, I think so, something, something like, like that. that. And also he was in, um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's broadcast. He had longer hair. I don't know if it's broadcast worldwide, but I would think it is. It was the royal family. He played Twiggy, which was one ah, of the family, family friends of the royals. Um, before letting them proceed further, Popple Wick asks the Doctor to sign a document that perform- promises his future incarnations to the Valiard should he vanquish the Doctor. The High Council begin less, being less than trustworthy and likely to keep their promises. As the Doctor steps through the next door, he finds himself alone on the beach where the Valiard's voice taunts him and hands emerge from the sand to pull him beneath the surface and in like quicksand, basically. And that's the end of part four. Uh, 13 so part 14 like i said was supposed to be written by robert holmes but unfortunately he passed away so the ending got changed i would be interested to know what the actual original ending would have been because the ending's okay and that's all i can say the ending's okay part 14 glitz arrives as the doctor is dragged under only grabbing the orange spats around each of his shoes they're kind of like um I don't know what they call. He he glitz calls them his boot protectors, uh, but um, they're kind of like like are they buttoned like sort of covers for the for, for his shoes, um, kind of like old fashioned type covers. Anyway, he is amazed to see the doctor rise out of the sound unharmed after making a bad pun. Uh, when the doctor comes out, it's obvious that they reversed it. So it was obviously Colin Baker going into the sand and then they reversed it to come back because he had to say uh, the words backwards by the looks of it because if you look at his mouth, he's trying to say them forwards. It's kind of like um, if anyone's ever seen the the episode of Red Dwarf backwards where they had to do everything backwards and they had to learn some phrases backwards and then say them backwards. So when they reversed it forward... It would say it was say the same thing. It was a bit like this. Uh, the doctor explains that the matrix is unreal and that, well, with enough effort, he can deny the Valiard's traps. The Valiard appears, taunting the doctor. Explains that he has to destroy the doctor's good side to be free of all his positive traits. A cloud of nerve gas advances towards them, forcing the doctor and Glitz to take refuge in a nearby beach hut that turns out to be the Master's TARDIS. Nice interior. I actually quite like the Master's black TARDIS. Um, it's a different. Look what I don't get right is the house the thing mm-hmm. was there in the middle of like weirdness. Yeah. Right. In the beach. Yes. Yeah. The beach. But the weird thing I don't get is when they went to like the street bit in front of the fun factory, whatever it was. Which, come on, how much more Beetlejuice can you get? Mm. Right. Then. Why is it a blooming like statue that looks like it belongs in a graveyard? Well, I don't know, but we, as we know, it's like really, really odd. The Master's Tardis has the chameleon circuit, which actually yeah, works. We know not that, a very good chameleon circuit. It doesn't if really fit in. in. I get what you're saying. It doesn't really fit a into the blimmin street. A blooming big like 
gothic statue in the middle of the street. To be fair. What would have been ideal is why not do it as like a barrel or something like that? Because the doctor got pulled into that barrel of water. Mm. Why not do it as a barrel? Probably would have why been. Why not do it as a wagon? Probably would or, have been you know. more obvious to actually have been the blue police box. Mm. I don't know when they put the blue police boxes on London streets or wherever, wherever they were. Uh, not around that time period. Or Victorian. Not around then, no. Anyway, anyway the master... Because, no, that was when the bobbies used to walk around with a whistle. Mm. Phones weren't invented in Victorian times, not massively. You know, I think you're talk, thinking about a lot later, oh, right. sort of more of, you know... Maybe the 50s, Edward, you maybe know, 50s, 60s. Well, I don't, wouldn't say that. It's probably more like, you know, t- late 20s, early 30s. Mm. Um when the first people sort of had telephones, because it was surely it was after the war. Yeah, maybe. But it was more of around the Industrial Evolu- Revolution and stuff, which was after Queen Victoria. Yeah. Mm. So, to be fair, you know, to me, that looked like the whole bring out your dead sort of thing around that time, to be yeah. fair. Or early Victorian periods. Mm. The master explains the Valiard has to be stopped because he has none of the Doctor's morality, making him maybe they just maybe they just made police boxes so they didn't have to keep blowing a whistle every time they were walking around. Maybe which vexes the master. Lion that he wishes to help the Doctor. The master tricks the Doctor into believing that he and Glitz are retrieving the TCE from elsewhere in the TARDIS, but activates a function on his console that puts the doctor into a cartonic state where glitz and he while glitz and he hides in the corridor the master's tardis materializes at the factory and the hypnotized doctor is sent out as bait when the valiard comes out to see what's happening the master shoots the valiard with his tce but the beam from his weapon bounces off the Valiard retaliates with explosive quills yeah, to be honest, that force the master to run away. Glitz is temporarily To be honest, right? It's like the Valiard is supposed to be like the doctor later on or whatever, right? Yes. So then surely he'd know about how predictable the master is. So Maybe. he'd know he'd try and shoot him or something. Maybe, yes. Um, There was something, what I would say, like. Because he's done it before. There was something that, that I. I had a question in my mind about when I was watching it, which was when Mel and Glitz actually appear in the courtroom when they get summoned, mm. obviously the Doctor hasn't met Mel yet. Because he's he got plucked out of space and time with Perry when he was mm. with Perry, and he's been in the trial ever since that. And then he's gone into the future to look at his future adventures so yeah but then maybe they Mel. yeah but then maybe the master did the same thing with Mel. no i haven't researched this but i'm guessing because the master was the one who brought mel and that um guy as a witness mm. so at the end of the day maybe they had done the same thing yeah. to help him out and from obviously from mel's point of view she knows the doctor so she acts as if she knows the doctor the doctor actually acts as if he knows her so yeah, it's quite interesting. It's quite mm. interesting dynamic if you think about it. I'm guessing, I haven't researched this, but the big Finnish audio stories that they do, I'm guessing there's one where he meets Mel. Because That's we never get to see that. We never get to see him meet Mel on TV. So I'm guessing they did it in the big Finnish audios. Anyway, Mel arrives in the Matrix to help the Doctor. They return to the station to finish clearing his name. Mel 
oh, excuse me, Mel gives evidence regarding the vervoids, but it is not enough to prevent the Inquisitor from delivering a verdict of guilty on the charge of genocide. The Doctor accepts his death sentence with surprising calm. This is not the real courtroom, but another Matrix fantasy on the real station. Mel and the Inquisitor watch imp impotently, I think is the word, uh, as the Doctor is taken to what he believes to be his execution. Mel unwillingly unwilling to sit by meekly steals the keeper's key to enter the matrix so again if mel a simple companion can nick the key and get into the matrix then anyone else can anyway she uh, goes in uh, she reaches the doctor in time to save him but he is well aware of the situation because he fake the fake mel and had mentioned events she had not witnessed yet the doctor was hoping to encounter the valiard so they Head for the fantasy factory. The master back in the TARDIS tries to hypnotise Glitzen to helping him, but has to resort to bribery when the hypnosis fails. This is quite a, quite a funny little moment. He gets this like little like pendulum thing out, tries to hypnotise Glitz, and basically it doesn't really work. And he says about, "Do you feel sleepy?" And he says, "No, not really." And it's quite a funny little moment. Um, this proves just as effective. To uh, be fair, that'd be you know really quite hilarious. Because that's the sort of thing that would happen to me if someone tried to hypnotise me. Because to be fair, it's like, yeah, come off it. So yeah, basically bribery, when it fails, this is what proves just as effective. Basically, he produces a trunk with loads of gold in it. Glitz finds the Matrix tapes containing the secrets in Popper Wick's office. While the Doctor locates the list of courtroom judges written in his own handwriting, Glitz forces Popper Wick at gunpoint to take them to the proprietor, JJ Chambers. JJ Chambers is basically the proprietor of the fun factory who actually turns out to be at the valley yard but is willing to trade the doctor for the matrix secrets which he then gives to the master the doctor exposes popperwick as a valley yard in disguise since his melodramatic nature was too obvious he finds a laser aimed through the view screen into the courtroom to kill all the judges on the list as a last resort the master reveals to the court that the high council has been disposed by a revolt on gallifrey and he intends to rule in their place he loads the tape of the secrets into the TARDIS console but it is a fake which freezes the master and glitz in the matrix Mel arrives in the courtroom in time to evacuate the judges while the doctor stops the laser firing at the cost of creating a massive feedback surge which strikes the valiard allowing the doctor to escape back to the station the grateful inquisitor dissolves the trial and tells the doctor about Perry's true fate on Kreptep or whatever the the place is called so obviously the doctor then finds out that perry didn't actually die at his hand she further suggests that the doctor for the third time run for the vacant presidency on gallifrey but he declines stating that she would be better candidate he suggests that while the master must be punished leniency should be shown to glitz as he can be reformed and then the very end of the trial and the, the serial and the story and everything is the doctor and mel depart in the tardis she annoys him by mentioning carrot juice because obviously in the last series serial who the hell wants to drink carrot juice this minging yeah he was on that sort of like uh exercise bike and she was getting him to drink carrot juice to keep them in shape and the doctor almost barrels off in the opposite direction once he learns she plans to make him exercise again thinking he would have just been better off taking the presidency however he gives into her whims when he remembers mel has met him too early he tends to return her to whence she came and wait to meet her in the original order so 
there you go. That's what basically is going to happen. Mm. Uh, back in the courtroom, the Inquisitor leaves. And as she does, she orders the Keeper to improve the security of the Matrix and repair it while removing the Master and Glitz. He is allowed to ring... Uh, I can't pronounce that word. What? Relinquish? I think it is that. I don't know. Anyway. Um... Basically, as the uh, the keeper of the Matrix turns, he reveals himself to be the Valiard in disguise, and then the Valiard laughs, and that's the end of the series. Uh, that is the end of the season. That is the end of the serial. That is the end of Colin Baker as a Doctor. And what did you think of the trial of a Time Lord? It's all right, I suppose. It was all right, I suppose. Same, same response as every week, near enough. Um... It could have been worse. I could have said it was crap. Well, you could have. So, it's all right, I suppose. So, quickly go through the verdict for the last two parts. Uh, uh, revisiting the surreal matrix of the deadly assassin uh, is a good idea, but the Dickensian setting is limiting. That's the word. Is setting is limiting, and the minuscule cast give the impression that the money has run out. The ending is chaotic and confusing. A four out of ten. Yeah, just a smidge. I think it's all right. I think it has, it, it had, in my eyes, I think the Trial of a Time Lord had more potential than I think it lived, lived up to. Potential? Yeah. You it's do know there's not an ewel at the end. Oh, well. There's potential. Um, I do think it had more potential than what it lived <laughs> up to. really annoying And uh, unfortunately, I don't think it reached the heights at which it could do. Uh, I think that last two episodes, unfortunately, Robert Holmes passed away, so he never really got the full vision. Mm of what it should have been. Uh, and I think it was a bit of a throwaway at the end. Um, but yeah, I liked, I liked Terror of the Vervoids. That's a quite good one with Mel and that. That was a really good, like the whodunit. I do like that one. It's my favourite serial that they did, you know. Uh, and the second one was all right, I suppose, with um, Sill returning and Brian Blessed and everything that happened to Perry and that. Unfortunately mm. I do think I do think that, you know, with with some Perry since K uh since with with um the fifth doctor. And I do think they kind of pulled the rug out. I think with some companions they get a nice send off or they get a bad one with the case of Andrick who died, obviously. But I think mm. I think they didn't really do justice to Perry's character. To be honest, I don't really care because she was annoying. I don't think that it did really justice to Perry's character, unfortunately. Yeah, but I um, don't really like Perry, so I don't really care. So that's that's season twenty three done. That's the end of Colin Baker. So Becky, what do you think of Colin Baker as a Doctor? Now that yeah. we've come to the end, yeah. Again, I think I actually like Colin Baker. I think he's, he's one of my favourite Doctors. Uh, I know that's, that's I con- don't see how because he's, that's, to that's be fair, one at the end he looks like he's trying to basically grow his hair like Tom Baker. Two, he's trying to be sarcastic, and I don't like it because he's just like he's just trying to basically be a different doctor, and it's just like he's trying to merge all the other ones together, and he's not finding his own identity, and I don't like that. I think I can't make a um. At least with Peter Davison, he actually tried to find his own identity. I I like Colin Baker. He is one of my favourites. And obviously that's a controversial subject because his tenure of the Doctor was quite short. And I think that Colin Baker is kind of 
unfortunately uh, a little bit of a victim i will say that a little bit because of the way it ended which we'll go through in a minute and i think he was just then in this trial of the time lord he was just then finding his feet as a doctor we we finally had uh, we'd finally i think he'd finally clicked as a doctor and just as he'd finally clicked that was it it was over so we'll, clicked, we'll quickly go again. through the stories as always. So we've got the twin dilemma, which was was weird, weird way of introducing the Doctor, I suppose, at the very end of the season. You had Peter Davison, Doctor, regenerate in the case of Andrew Rani. Then we had the twin dilemma, and then that was it. We had a break then, obviously, for the next season. We didn't obviously have a break. We had a week's break, but back then they had like mm-hmm. months break. So here's a new Doctor, break can't really find your feet and unfortunately again it was a victim there of not being able to get settled in like with the full season straight away so it's kind of like mm. you know act as a doctor and then you go away and do other bits and then come back but anyway so then we had 22 which obviously he only had done two seasons but obviously 22 is my favorite because he fought basically a bit like the the tom baker in a way tom baker's first season yeah and i th- you know we had attack of the cybermen we had a ver- uh, Vengeance on Varos, which I personally believe is the best Tom ba- uh, Colin Baker story they did. Uh, we had the Mark of the Rani, the two Doctors when he actually encountered Peter Troughton's Doctor again. Uh, we had Time Lash, which again is controversial because people don't like that one, but I actually quite like it. And then we rounded off with Revelation of the Daleks, and then we went straight into 23, which was Trial of a Time Lord, which was obviously a, a season-long story arc. And then we ended. So... What happened to Colin Baker? What actually happened? So, um, unfortunately, Colin Baker was fired uh, from the role of the Doctor by the BBC. See, and they didn't like him. Um, I think what had happened was that the controller, I think it was controller, I don't know what they call him, but the head of the BBC basically didn't like the route at which Doctor Who had gone. They basically didn't like the violence. We've, we, I've, I've, I've talked about this before with the Colin Baker's Doctor, is that there's a lot more violence, mm. uh, especially like with Lytton and his hands, where the, the, the Cybermen crushed his hands, there's blood all over the floor, stuff like that. You know, there was a lot of violence. And, you know, the BBC, they didn't like that, I think, and they thought it had gone an, a, a different way. So it they seems obviously. Like the BBC, the BBC, they don't really like anything like that. So, you know... Yeah, you put something on, like, Waterloo Road and having people getting, you know, killed in blooming car accidents and crap like that. Mm. So there's obviously a lot of controversy around uh, Colin Baker's... Oh, yeah, and getting stabbed to death and that sort of thing, you know. Well, that's... Yeah, but this is supposed to be centred for for kids. It's supposed to be a kids' TV show, really. Doctor Who was aimed at children behind a sofa. You um, know? Waterloo Road is aimed at children, basically, that are of high school age, I don't, which I don't think is massively appropriate. So, yeah, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Colin Baker's tenure as a doctor because of that violence and that. He basically was then subsequently fired from the BBC because they wanted to go on a different route. They wanted Mm. to recast the doctor. And I think Colin Baker, maybe rightfully so, maybe not. Depends how you look at it. He got a bit bitter and he was very much not a very happy man, which I think you would be, I suppose, if you got fired from a job. Um for not really doing anything wrong. He just acted the part and he said yeah, the, the words and day, did the actions that they the told him to the do. At the end of the day, he surely has down to the writers then, not the actor. Yeah, so he was invited back. Colin Baker was invited back to do a four-part 
four-part story which would have ended in the regeneration and basically because of his bitterness he declined the offer and did not wish to miss out basic and find another work in the meantime which is fair enough if if you know yeah. you've been fired from a job you've got to go and as an actor you've got to find other roles work. to do yeah, and I get, money to I get feed that. your family I, it's i completely understand that but at the end of the day i still don't understand why fire him when he didn't write the script yeah that's it it was the down to the script writers who wrote the stories not him. So it sounds like um, it's more of they had a problem with the man than they did with the with the. the and, that, and then they basically try and basically lie at some, yeah. basically trying to make out that he's at fault mm. when saying they didn't like the scripts and stuff when he yeah. was the one who were actually just acting so it, Colin not Baker, writing it. Colin Baker did offer to do a whole season. He would have done season twenty four in his mind and have the Doctor regenerated at the end of it, which. Uh, the BBC refused. I can understand why yeah. Colin Baker said that because again, it keeps him in work and it keeps him paid for a full season. And at the end of that, they could find he could find something else to do yeah. because, from what I can tell, they basically did the trial of a time lord. He thought that he was going to be going again the next season, and at the end of that, they fired him on you know literally on the spot or whatever. And you know, he's not got he can't make any plans. He can't then look into the future and say right i'm leaving this role in six months time i can then get another job or whatever uh so i can understand that so that you know the the serial was intended to be the finale with a consequently rewritten as sylvester coy's debut story which is time and the rani which is the next one um not the rani again yeah ironically tom uh i keep saying tom it's trouble when you've got two two doctors with the same surname ironically Colin Baker recorded a final four-part audio story almost 29 years later in 2015 with the Big Finish Productions after being approached and asked to do so in, in the anthology The Sixth Doctor, The Lost, The Last Adventure. He would basically later express regret for not filming the four episodes, claiming he was being selfish and not thinking about the fans, which, you know, he is very fan-centric. He's a very fan, uh, fan-centered uh, actor and doctor. He, you know, he understands like a lot of the um, the actors that played Doctor, you know, about the big massive fan base. Um, also, there is a fan made uh, on YouTube. If people want to go out there and research it, they can actually watch this fan made regeneration where they actually used Colin Baker and then regenerated him into Sylvester McCoy, uh, and it's quite good. It's well done. And I think really they whoever done it, they I think should, we're seeing that. Yeah, the BBC should just really take that and pay them and use that at the beginning of Time and the Rani because uh how they did it, we might as well talk about it now while we're talking about Colin Baker. Basically they got Sylvester McCoy dressed up in a blonde curly wig, lay on the floor in Colin Baker's outfit, and then they regenerated it that way. So it's not really Colin Baker regenerating it with Sylvester McCoy regenerating into himself. So, because that's not a slightest bit weird. It is unfortunate, is what it is. But you know, you can understand why he done it. Yeah, well. Um, and I think on, I'm guessing Terror, uh, Trial of the Time Lords, Part Thirteen, Fourteen, when they did the behind the sofa, which is their like special feature where they sit and they watch the episodes. I think there's a little bit on there where he talks about what actually happened in that as well. So he gives a little bit more inside information. If people do have them Blu-ray collections, they can always watch that to get a more from the horse's mouth mm. um, 
explanation of what happened. So that's the end of Colin Baker. That's another Doctor Dumb. Six Doctors down now, Becky. We're on to the seventh. So what's coming up? We might as well give a little like uh, teaser, I suppose. No, Sylvester McCoy, obviously. Sylvester McCoy, yes, it's now coming. Unfortunately, unbiased opinion. I do. We go into these unbiased. You either love them or hate them. But I will say that Sylvester McCoy is unfortunately my least favourite Doctor in the classic Who era. I just mm. don't know what it is. Just something about it that I just don't. I just don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't click for me. He's not my favourite. Um, but mm. again. It's part of the watch through, so we watch through it, and uh, I will give yeah, my opinion. Yeah, but I had that feeling with Peter Davison, but it weren't the fact of Peter Davison's acting; it was the fact of the writing. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I may look at it more objectively uh, because of the podcast and because of doing these episodes. I may look at it with fresh eyes, and actually, you might find out that actually, I quite liked him. Mm. Anyway, so season twenty-four. Can you imagine that? Twenty-four seasons now, of Doctor Who. We get start off with Time and the Rani. Then it goes into Paradise Towers. If I remember right, that one is actually quite good. Uh, we have Delta and the Bannermen and Dragonfire. So we only got four serials. So it's, mm. again, it's 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 quick, quick turnover. It's going to be a quick turnover yeah. of the Doctor. And I'll tell you, before we're long, we're going to be watching that movie and we're going to be on to Christopher Eccleston. Good. So, uh, normally at this point in time, we'd have um, also a little break. If you're watching, uh, sorry, if you're watching, you could watch them, but you'd be staring at a blank wall. Uh, listening. If you're listening to these in order, then, um, you know, we would normally have a break. There'd normally be a week's break after the end of the season, especially after a doctor. But because we've only just had Christmas and New Year and we had quite a few weeks, we could go straight into the next one. Um, I think we'll just pile off the next four episodes of Sylvester McCoy and then have a break. So for the next four weeks, so basically a month. Yeah. And then it'll be done. The first season will be done. That's just ridiculous how quick they are. Um, again, the partage, uh, the episodes, a little bit sporadic as well. So they must commission the seasons on number of episodes. That's the way I guess they must have done it. So the first one is a four-parter. And I'm guessing they're 25 minutes again. Then uh, the next one was a four-parter. Then Delta and the Bannerman was a three-parter. And then Dragonfire was three-parter. So it's a bit strange. Like They must commission them on how many parts uh, mm-hmm. throughout the season. Because it kind of does that again. Um, I think also, if I'm looking forward to... Uh, season 25 again that's one two three four episodes four serials again yeah and then the last season one two three four so they're only four so basically there's only 12 episodes no 12 serials four 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 and four four eight twelve yeah i'm right so it's only 12 so 12 basically 12 podcast episodes so, Mr. McCoy, we're waving bye to. It's a big moment, to be honest, because we're now coming to the end of Classic Who, and we've been doing Classic Who for so long now, what, four years? Yeah. And we've now got to the end of it, and it's now going to transition into Classics, mm. which, again, will be quite quick as well, because they only did, like, ten episodes. And the podcast... The, the, I should think the podcast... We'll have to see how it goes, because... Mm. Obviously, one episode, unless it's like a double parter per per um, episode. 
of podcasts. So I don't know how long these yeah. episodes are going to be to. Anyway, I'm waffling about the future. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to see what happens. So thank you all for listening to um, season 23 of mm-hmm. Doctor Who. Uh, listening to us go through Colin Baker's tenure. And thank you all for your continued support of the podcast. We really appreciate it. So like I said, next week we're continuing with Sylvester McCoy and time and the Rani. Like I said, the Rani returns and we get the new doctor. So uh, I think we'll leave it there and I'll say goodbye and say goodbye, Becky. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.